Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 2, as the New York Rangers are 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the season. Even though that's pretty even there, it's been an absolute roller coaster ride so far as personnel choices, we've got injuries, we've got non-performers, We've got overperformers. We've, I mean, we've got it all, Andy. And we have so much to talk about, so much to break down. Thank God we got a win in Montreal. But I got to ask you on this Sunday afternoon, how are you doing? You know, I think it's funny that if I could use a phrase to sum up the New York Rangers, at this point, it has to be comfortably uncomfortable, right? Because when, <laughs> when are things not always in disarray and chaos and flux and the good with the bad uh it just seems pervasive and just thinking things are always going to work out play out the way you planned with this group uh yeah i don't think that's the case but like you said it's been a real it's been all over the place it's been a real mixed bag of good and bad and uh unsure and sure things and underperformers and overperformers so but hey listen i'm it's early days. Hockey is back. I'm happy to be back in the swing. And, you know, it's just nice to play some teams that aren't in your own division for once, you know, because that's all they were able to do last year with the pandemic. So right now I'm still able to, even though I, I'm still having the same old, same old uh, live and die with the team moments like I, I usually do, I have been able to at least separate myself enough to say like, man, I feel so good to have hockey back and just been able to like every day there's a talking point or look at uh, the information coming out of the the practice and the morning skate. And uh, yeah, it just feels good to be back there. But yeah, comfortably uncomfortable as the New York Rangers in perpetuity. Yeah. And I don't even know where to start because it's, I'm just, emotions are pulled in every which direction. I mean, if you want to talk and be positive first, we can do that. We can be negative first. We can just kind of be even keeled and be like, well, all of this lumped together still doesn't really make that much of a difference because it's so early in the season. But a lot of this stuff kind of does matter. And it's some of the stuff that we've spoke about that we kind of wanted to avoid, especially the negative things. Uh, I just get worried. And I look at the standings 
and Pittsburgh's 2-0. and This is so early, and this is just sickening that I'm doing this right now, but it's Pittsburgh's 2-0, and Carolina's 2-0, and Columbus is 2-0, and Washington is 1-0-1, New Jersey is 1-0, and the Flyers obviously stink, Islanders stink. So I'm looking at the standings, and I'm like, well, the teams that weren't supposed to be that great have found ways to win and get points, and I feel like the Rangers being one, one and one are already out of a playoff spot. I'm like, that's it. The season's done. It's <laughs> over. Like we can't compete with any of these teams. All they do is win. They're on fire. Like, I don't know, Andy, where do you want to start? Like, do you want to break down the, the Montreal game? Where do you want to go? I think we just have to, to take it game by game. I think we have to start with the, the opener against uh, the, the capitals. Cause that was kind of the first impression of, you know, that was the release of a lot of emotions for Rangers fandom, especially how much emphasis had been put on it. And again, we don't have to spend too much time because we have so many games to talk about and sample sizes. But that was obviously this our first glimpse at the uh, new look New York Rangers for the season. And it was that game was a real mixed bag. Obviously, the result wasn't. But just in terms of what we were seeing on the ice. Uh, yeah, that was a real mixed bag. So. I mean, what were your thoughts of that game? Because to me, it looked there was some. I it, they came out flying out of the gate, the Rangers, and I loved the four check, and I loved some of the things they were doing five on five. But they also looked like they had no chemistry and they hadn't played together. But they are learning a new system, so it's it was definitely yeah, it was a real mixed bag. It's like the thing that this team had always been good at in the past was their maybe not pressing when they need to press, but then making hope plays and execution and putting the puck in the net off of harmless uh, plays that seem to be their bread and butter. And now they're trying to do something different in terms of forecheck more and get, get on, you know, get in on uh, pressuring the puck. And they were doing that, but then it was like, they couldn't, they couldn't connect tape to tape passes and uh, yeah, their skill guys looked a little lost. So, um, but yeah, so I don't know what, what were your impressions from that first game? Well, I got a few questions for you. Go ahead. Okay. Are the Rangers a young team? I would say yes. I think they're still technically the third youngest team in the league. Okay. Are the Rangers newly put together? Uh, like this roster, is it? Could you say I, there's a lot of different pieces just from last year alone? Yeah. No, there should be some cohesion there. Uh, that being said, I will. I will. You know, um, say there were a lot of line, new lines going on. At least, obviously, our bottom six is entire, pretty much entirely different, minus like Rooney or at least some of the personnel there on the wings. And yeah, they try, you know, Kako and Lafreniere are being permanent staples on the top line are new. And, uh, but yeah, for them, and you maybe, you know, young new people on in the back end, but for the, you know, for the most part, it's pretty much a, a, there is cohesion from last year. There should be anyway. Right. And my final question is were the New York Rangers, uh, going into that first game with expectations to perform well? They were going into that game with expectations to put a beat down on Tom Wilson. I mean, that's what, that's what everyone was looking for. Uh, they, they dressed Jared Tenorti, who absolutely sucks, instead of Nils Lundqvist for that exact very reason. Uh, it's, they have vehemently denied that that's what it was going to be, but we're not, no one's an idiot. I mean, right. Gary Bettman was there. Uh, 
the George Paros from player safety was there. The league clearly, I assume they spoke to both teams before, which might have been why nothing happened. They might have threatened them say like, this is not going to be a gong show or else, you know, there will be, you know, and obviously I felt like the officials at direction of the league were calling everything, you know, so they were not going to let things tension boil over. So, uh, but there were, yeah, there was expectations for them to definitely perform and to come out. And, and I have to say that first period, even giving up a goal in the power play, I thought they looked good. But, you know, in terms of just what they were doing, they I thought that first period was pretty much all Rangers just pressuring the Capitals. But the Capitals being a vet team that's been together forever with the same coach just didn't panic. And then when they had their opportunities and you know, Rangers took a dumb penalty, they did what they did best in the power play. It made uh, made them pay for it. So I thought that first period was good period for the Rangers. And then. It just, they seem to get more demoralized and mentally kind of just folded from there and it got worse and worse for them. Yeah. And the reason I asked those questions were that, you know, the Rangers are a young team. The Rangers have a new makeup this year and the Rangers came in with expectations to put a beat down, a revenge game. Uh, you, know, you know, this team's destined to make the playoffs. They're going to, you know, be humming this year. They're going to make a name for themselves. New coach, new players, you know. Uh, it's a normal season. So I, I really do think that the Rangers came in. They played an excellent first. And they didn't really get the results that they kind of expected. And when you play a veteran team like the Washington Capitals, they know how to you know keep their emotions in check. They know how to weather the storm. And I think they were able to capitalize on a couple of the penalties that the Rangers took. And before you knew it, you know, th- that gap on the scoreboard reaches a couple goals and you're scratching your head like, we've dominated more of this game than them. Why are we down by a few goals? And I just think emotionally, it just drained them to have that result, even though they dominated. And I thought that was just, you know, unfortunate for them. But this is the type of stuff that the Rangers need to learn to deal with. I'm almost happy they kind of gotten, they got crushed against Washington. Because it kind of maybe kicked them a little bit, like kicked them down and, and, and humbled them. I don't think the Rangers are, you know, that big of a difference between them and the Washington Capitals. I just think the Washington Capitals are a little, little bit more mature. They know how to handle their feelings and the emotions throughout the game. And, you know, they didn't come in with any expectations, right? The Washington Capitals, people just say, ah, oh, they're just another year older, you know. They got some good players and they're veteran players and they know how to handle these types of games. And I just thought they took advantage of a young New York Rangers team, a new, fresh faced New York Rangers team. And, you know, that's what happens. They kind of just put a butt whooping on them. And, uh, you know, they were able to capitalize, I think, on an over emotional first period. And uh, and they knew if they got a couple goals, they can put this team away. So that that was kind of my overall thought process. For the Washington game. No, that seems sounds a bit like pretty much bang on to what I how I felt about it. And yeah, I mean, like I said, you saw it. Obviously, I think part of it is trying to do things a different way for once and kind of retrain themselves. Because I saw some of those guys like Mika and like Panarin trying to get after it, and it looked a little bit uncomfortable for them, like they were playing a game that they're not used to playing. But obviously, you like the buy-in, and it's, I think it's one of those things where the understanding there is that even if it doesn't work that first game, at least your hope as a fan, and then your hope, I assume the hope for the team is that if we make these things habits, 
we will then be able to comfortably switch off between just con- consistently doing the things that leads us to hem teams in constantly on the cycle. Cause I got to tell you, I, I love the look of our, our, our bottom six and even throughout the three games, I think that third line has, even though they haven't been potting a lot of goals, they've been, whenever they're out there, they, they're just hemming, you know, they're hemming teams in. And I have to say, even Ryan Reeves, who I was worried about, um, in terms of his foot speed and, yeah, I mean, his line has led been one of the top uh, lines in game score for I think two at least two out of those three games, and he hasn't looked as bad as I thought, you know. So, I mean, I'm obviously very happy that they have that identity down there because that can, I think, once the top six gets up to speed and trying to do things differently, then all of a sudden that's when this team becomes really dangerous. But yeah, obviously, that first the loss was a little demoralizing after all the emphasis has been coming out of coming out of the gate. Um, you know, hot and, and ready and like just beating Tom Wilson and handily looking like a dangerous team. But uh, again, Rome wasn't built in a day, so it is what it is. And uh, they, they, they leave the, you know, they're with their heads hanging a little low in Washington, but then they head home for the, uh, the home opener. Yeah. And, you know, just want I want to touch on one small detail. They, the Rangers also started Georgie in that, that first game. Yeah, I, it was a mistake. Listen, it was a mistake. Ultimately, you know, this is what Georgie is. He's a solid, mediocre, middle-of-the-pack goalie. He's never going to win you a game. He'll make a really nice save, but he'll also let in a really bad goal. And it's just with the Rangers and how they're built right now, and if they're play, playing against a, a team that, you know, maybe cheats a little bit offensively and, and you know, is able to throw pucks on net and and, and you know, get some clear shots and, you know, just create really good offensive opportunities. If you don't have Shesty in that, you're, you're doomed. Because Georgie's going to let, you know, a couple soft ones in. I mean, he'll also make a couple big saves, but ultimately, you just saw, I mean, he's just, he's not as good as Igor. And, you know, and I really have to applaud, and we'll get into Igor's play. But so far, Igor has been so stable in the net. Uh, I am, I just have nothing but good things to say, say about it. No, absolutely. And I think he called it. And again, I, I'm not the coach, but I think it was a mistake to start him in that game. I think Igor needs to play those games back to back. And then you maybe play Georgiev versus Montreal the other night. But who knows what the result would have been if that was the case. But that's what I would have done. Uh, it does feel like if Igor had played versus Dallas, at the home opener. Maybe they they win that game. Who's to say what happens in Montreal? But that's what I would have done. Um, and yeah, I just think I think, and we've talked about this before. I think Georgiev is a guy that maybe as much as he might want to be a starter, I think he's better when he's chasing that starter spot. And when you just say, "All right, you were going with you. You're up first. Let's show us something," he usually out. You know, mentally he kind of falls apart a bit, right? But when if you have two games where he sees Igor is, is performing well, and then you put him in, it's like, well, I have to perform well almost to get up. Though, for whatever reason, I feel like he responds better to that type of pressure where it's almost internal fire, like I have to get it back, as opposed to like, all right, we're putting our faith in you, and that's when he seems to fall apart. So that's just what I've seen over his last I, three seasons here. I mean, I don't know. Couldn't agree feel. more with you. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. So, again, uh, better effort versus Dallas. They... The, the first this almost like a reverse the first period doesn't go the way kind of the way they want and again but they they look like the faster team versus an older Dallas Stars team pretty much they they concede uh 
two goals, but they, they, t- or yeah, I think that's how it happened. They two goals and they're down yep. two goals, but then they score two goals in the second period and they pretty much have the puck the whole period and even most of the third. And they just, they score. Adam Fox is amazing. He go, he basically puts the game on his back in, in that second period. And he just, you know, turns on God mode and basically like wills them back into that game. Uh, and then the whole team legit looks like they finally got a goal and not like a fluky power play goal, like in the, the Washington game. And it looks like just the whole team, their confidence gets raised back up and they're, they, they're trading ch- chances and they're hemming them in and they're passing the puck. And it looks like, Dallas pretty much just gives up on trying to even pursue them as they cycle the puck and grind them down, you know, with the new look, almost like mixing up their lines to have like, uh, I think they, they move Lafreniere down and they put um, Barkley Goudreau with Mika and Krides just to get a different look on that line. Cause it wasn't, you know, they weren't getting much out of it. Uh, and yeah, so they, they make it to OT, which is good. And then in OT, Panarin makes a real boneheaded play and we're going to talk about Panarin sooner rather than later, but boneheaded turnover, uh, Miro Haskin goes the other way and, and puts a shot on, uh, Shesterkin that he probably, w- he says he wishes he had back, but it's just tough, tough shot on a breakaway. It's just could, you know, he shouldn't, he shouldn't even be in that situation. Like there should be someone there to read off of or react, but because Panarin turns the puck over, Haskin just goes down and just snipes it. But, in the post game, Shesterkin puts it on himself and says, "I have to stop that one," even though he was great the whole game. You know, so most of the the, the two other goals, you can't even blame. They just kind of breakdowns and you know just kind of left out to lunch. So, um, but yeah, then in the post game, it it says like the team they feel like they're getting closer, they're you know better performance, but then the other night and it was, but you know clearly they still haven't played. You got to play a full sixty, as Galan keeps saying, and they didn't. Again, they only played the second two periods and. Could have been different, and then a bad costly turnover cost them. And then, uh, so yeah, so now they're they get a point out of it, thank God. But now they're uh, they're oh one and one, and they head off to Montreal for uh, the for their uh, second away, away game and their first game on their road trip. Yeah, and you know, you go into this game historically, just for me, my emotions. I, I feel like we never win in Montreal, and you know, I had this conversation with a few of my friends. It's like the New York Rangers are starting the season off against the Washington Capitals, the Dallas Stars, and then the Montreal Canadiens. There's something that these three teams have in common and that they've been in a Stanley Cup finals over the last four years. So these aren't, these aren't teams that are just, you know, they're good, but they're one of the league's best. And there's a lot of players on these teams that have been there, done that. And for the Rangers to start off, you know, their season with three teams that are this mature, that are this seasoned, I thought they handled themselves okay. Like, not great, but if I had to give them a letter grade, I'd probably give them a B because they bounced back in the Stars game. They they came out flat. Of course, you don't want to see that, but it's a back-to-back. They might be a little tired. And they come out and they play the best 20 minutes that, honestly, I could probably say that was the best period they've played in the last three seasons. I mean, they absolutely dominated adam fox was an absolute animal in the second period against the dallas stars and you know what they they got a point out of it they came back from being down two goals they took it to overtime uh their star player tried to get a little too fancy turned around it bit them in the ass but you know what they got a point you know the home openers the home openers out of the way now you move on on the road against the montreal canadians who are a very good team 
you know, they're going to be, you know, I know their expectations this year aren't, you know, maybe not playoffs, but they're going to be one of those teams that you're going to need to beat, you know, in order to, you know, make the playoffs. These are, these are the games that you, I told you before the season started that you got to win and they went on the road and they got to win. So uh, you can't really knock them. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Montreal game? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the narrative going in is that Alexi Lafreniere's first game uh, playing in front of his family and in playing in front of his home province in uh, Montreal. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, you were hoping you'd get a big performance out of him because it had been pretty much the first two games had been pretty relatively quiet for him. And I have to say, he had he definitely had jump. And, you know, I think he is still a ways away from where I think Rangers fans probably want him to be, but you at least saw a little bit more of the jump in what they hope they can get out of him. And, you know, very happy to see him score on that breakaway goal. Again, Adam Fox absolutely uh, makes a, someone look like an idiot <laughs> with he, you know, retrieve puck retrieval in the corner, quick, you know, fake one way and quickly cut back the other way. The guy skates slide out from under him. That's how bad he bites on it and crashes into the boards. And then Fox just goes the other way. Uh, Pretty much tape to tape pass to Mika Zibanejad, who makes an excellent feed to uh, Lafreniere across the Royal Road. Lafreniere buries it. You know his family's—he's going nuts in the stand. His father's like fist pumping and jumping up and down. So it was—it was a really cool moment and cool we got to see that. Uh, kudos to Mika. I really like—I've really liked. You know, even though he hasn't been scoring like he usually does, Mika. I like his defensive play and his playmaking a little bit more so far he hasn't been scoring the goals but he's made a few good passes on the power play to Kreider uh for that first goal he makes the the pass to uh Lafreniere you know for his goal so I mean I haven't actually pulled it up I should probably pull it up but I'd assume sneakily he might be the Rangers point leader right now either him or Fox so I'm gonna actually pull that up right now so I don't I sound like I actually know what I'm talking about the Uh, yeah the Ranger well the Rangers point leader is Chris Kreider with three points. Oh, well, I should have said that. That's another thing, which we will talk about. You know, Chris Kreider uh, is, is, you know, if he, he's on a, what, an, pretty much he's a goal a game pace right now. So he's 82 goal pace, uh, which I'm sure people saw coming, especially the amount of grief we've given him. But hey, he's doing what Chris Kreider thinks. So he might do this for a little bit and be hot and then disappear for a bit and then come back. But, but yeah, I mean, obviously you you have to be happy with they in a nutshell i feel like that montreal game they took the best parts of how they played the first two games and they mitigated the bad parts and it was maybe a little bit closer than you would like cuz i do think on paper they are a way better team and i just think as their confidence grows they'll be able to score more goals and like pull away from teams early but their game management in that third period was very good <laughs> which is not something i'm used to saying about them and i think that's testament to just having the confidence and being older and i think the more they can show themselves that they can do this you know the better they'll end up yeah and that's why you know basically gallant has been brought here right to basically be that difference maker he knows how to coach with a lead uh he's not there to punish you if you make a mistake even though you do have an important lead you know in the third period uh he trusts the personnel and you know it's funny because you know, I look at McKeg, right? That just kind of got brought up because Strom uh, is on, he's not injured, COVID protocol. It's just, 
even him trusting McKegg to be out there in the third period and, and playing some important minutes, it just shows that, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter who you throw out there. As long as, you know, the message is clear on what we're going to do and kind of stay on that gas pedal and, you know, don't just collapse and, and be, you know, standing still in our defensive zone. And, you know, this way, uh, you know, when loose pucks squirt out to the boards that you can actually beat your opponent and, you know, they don't gather the puck again and start it and start that, you know, offensive pressure where they almost look like they're on a power play. I just think, you know, emotionally when the Rangers had the lead, I'm like, man, if I'm a betting man, I just live bet, you know, the Canadians are going to win here. But, you know, they Rangers were able to hold on. And, and hopefully this is all positive things for the rest of the season and, and kind of the rest of the way that the Rangers, although, you know, Although, you know, they're still a younger team, they're still a team that's still trying to find their identity and, and, you know, stamp their identity in this league. You know, it's great that we're winning these games because they're important. You know, beating Montreal on the road is an important two points. And, you know, the fact that the Rangers can bounce back after, you know, two weird, fluky games, I felt like, where it was an emotional roller coaster. You know, they were able to put together a 60-minute game where they looked solid defensively. Um, again, penalties, eh, a, a little on the shaky side. They got to, you know, clean that up a bit. But, you know, overall, they look pretty good. So, you know, Andy, after looking at the, the first three games and, you know, now we face Toronto on the road, um, another tough opponent that's going to be at the top of the standings, you know, how do you feel that this team now, even though they're battling some injuries with Paco and, and, and Strom is now still going to be gone with COVID protocol. I believe they're calling up Morgan Barron. Um, you know, how do you feel going into Toronto? Well, just taking, analyzing these first three games as a whole, I think it's, I've already tells me everything I probably was curious about with Gerard Gallant and that he is not interested or doesn't seem interested in instant gratification or a quick fix. Uh, he's not the kind of coach who's going to just say like, oh, I need to now throw Adam Fox out there and make him play, you know, however many minute, more minutes a night now because we're without him. It's like, was not competitive. He's not interested in that. He's not interested in like constant line shifts to try to juice offense. He will make adjustments when he has to, but for the most part, I think he... And what, he knows what he does best. He has his style, and he is going to make the decisions that best tailor fit that style. And it might, I, I suspect that at times it's not going to be popular with the fan base. And it'll be like head scratchers. Why is this guy playing here? Or, you know, why isn't this guy in the lineup? But you've seen three games where they've already forechecked better uh, than they have in previous seasons. Their game management. Is looks like it's coming along. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's going to be slow and steady, but I think it's one of those things that it might take them a little bit longer to get there than we hope, because obviously as fans, we want instant gratification. We want them to come look like a transformed team, even though he's literally only been with them for like a month and he's, you know, had never met most half of them. And this is, it's one thing for you to go to Vegas with a team of where everyone there for the most part was like a role player like a coach's favorite role player that the team's ultimately like, this guy did a lot of good things for us, but we can't commit money to him. We'll just have to find another role player. And then those, if you tell those guys to like, 
play selfless, selfless, like four check systemless, like simple hockey, they can do it. But if you take a bunch of talented young kids and superstars and tell them to do it, it's going to take a little bit longer, you know? I mean, and that, and that's kind of what it was like in, uh, in Florida. But if you look at the Panthers now, and yes, they have Quentinville, who's a good coach in his own right, but a lot of the, I think a lot of the, the building blocks of how their superstars in particular play is was laid with him in his tenure there. So yeah, I think it's gonna, it's definitely showed me that, uh, that he, like I said, he's not, a Turk isn't interested in quick fixes. He's going to do what he thinks he has to do to get this team up to where he, the way, the level he wants them to play. But the promising signs are already there. And if I was a betting man, uh, I would hope that when they play the, the Maple Leafs, uh, um, this week that they, we see even more progression. Um, but speaking of betting, today's episode is sponsored by DraftKings. You like how I did that transition, James? How I dropped oh, it in there? Oh, yeah. Anyway, so NFL fans, and I, you know, I know you're a big NFL fan. We're both long-suffering Jet fans, but uh, specifically for NFL fans, if you're hungry for a big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has got you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, like maybe here in New York where we're recording, do not worry because DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sports app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. And if they win, you win. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call one 800 gambler how do you like that my first live ad read i don't think that was too much of a, a train wreck that could have could have could have been better could have been worse but I'm, I'm gonna give it a solid six out of ten no i mean you did an excellent job you certainly did better than some of my nfl picks today so uh <laughs> yeah you have you know keep your head up i mean that was that was very good much better right, than- I'll, I'll, I'll work on it but uh yeah anyway uh yeah so onward to toronto uh looks like they're gonna have austin matthews back so that kind of concerns me but like I said, you have to hope that they can build off of their their win in Montreal, and hopefully Lafreniere takes that uh, that confidence maybe from his last game, and he brings it forward, and now he feels like he can push the pace more because when he's being proactive and getting involved more, at least trying to push the pace offensively, that's when things seem to open up for him, and I think he's slowly realizing that where he was maybe a little too preoccupied and before and floating around and throwing hits in the corner, but not or trying to be open and soft spots when you instead of just make sure you're heavy and fast on the puck and that's when all of a sudden your space will open up for you so we'll see i think he's only gonna get better and better um i am a little concerned that this new system with the amount of hits everyone (laughs) wants to throw yeah it seems like injuries are kind of popping up early here Uh, obviously strom's a little bit different case with covid protocol but you know blay already missed a game because of an upper body or a lower body forget and now kako is going to be is on IR for the uh, at least the next week. 
you know, the minimum six days until he can come off. So, uh, yeah, I hope that's not symptomatic of the fact that they are, their new physical style of play is maybe has wear and tear. They might have to adjust and not, cause right now I think they're, I think they're leading the league in hits, <laughs> which is, I guess, you know, maybe not surprising given everything they were talked about, but I think Ryan Reeves is like second in hits or something, but, uh, yeah, they'll, uh, hopefully they settle in, but uh, yeah, they've recalled up Morgan Barron. Uh, so he's going to meet the team, uh, for their, he should, I believe he will probably be in the lineup against, uh, or maybe he won't, I don't know, but maybe he's just an extra body, but you know, he might see some time with the team on this road trip. So we'll definitely see, but, uh, yeah, Toronto again is a finesse high off power, firepower offense team. And if you are lazy or you concede too much ice or let them string passes together, they can really burn you. But at the same time, if you, you can really grind them down if you are committed to it. So, uh, who knows what, I don't know what team we're going to get, but it'll definitely be interesting to see. Yeah. And I think honestly, it's going to make or break, uh, this game's going to make or break within our defense. I really do think if, you know, our defensemen can move the puck up and we can get the puck, you know, over the blue line, over the red line and get the puck in deep, keep banging bodies, just frustrate the hell out of them. This is a team that is not going to be prideful to play defense. So again, the more time you spend in, you know, in their zone, the more time you get their defensemen turning, having to retrieve the puck, their forwards have to come all the way back and have to regroup and re-enter the zone, you know, this team is going to feast off turnovers. This team is going to feast off of, you know, um, you know, uh, getting to loose pucks in the offensive zone. And, you know, they take pride in, in, you know, their offense. And they're certainly one of the most gifted teams in the NHL. And, you know, the way to combat that is certainly to play defense, right? Moving the puck up, um, you know, and, and defense isn't just, you know, uh, your defense in the defensive zone. Defense, you know, is going to be in every single zone, right? Clogging the neutral zone. You know, it's your forecheck, you know, to get a loose puck that gets wrapped around the boards in the offensive zone. So the Rangers are going to have to take pride in, in all three zones, uh, create turnovers, keep the puck in deep, make their defenseman turn, and constantly just put pressure on them. And every time they touch the puck, keep banging bodies. And I know you kind of laughed at, you know, the Rangers are leading the league in, in hits and, and Reeves is hitting everybody. And this is good. You want this in, you know, these types of games. This is a, a team that you're going to have to wear down and you're going to have to play a full 60 minutes. Again, another team that is on the top of the standings. And, and, you know, it's funny. I cannot wait for the Rangers to go play, even though the Ducks have won a couple games, to play like the Anaheim Ducks. Like, I feel like our beginning of the schedule here is so stacked. And, I believe we play Nashville next, uh, if I'm not wrong. I, I'm very curious to see how this, the Rangers do against a mediocre team, right? They, they've kind of played against four really solid teams to start the, start the season off. I'm very curious to see how they do against a mediocre team. But I don't want to overlook you know, Toronto. Obviously, I'm rambling right now. But you know, I think this is where coaching, uh, adapting to a, a team that has a much different style than the Canadians. So it'll be interesting to see how the Rangers come out against a much different, a high, you know, offense, high octane offense team, you know, kind of similar to the the Washington Capitals. So it'll be very interesting, Andy. Yeah. And again, it's, 
it's funny because right now you look at the standings and you're like, what? <laughs> like, like Buffalo is is towards the tops of the league, and you know some of the teams that you know like that you expect it to be really good are in the basement. But I think you know things will even out eventually. I think there are teams right now that are it's too early. You know they they come out with house money and they come out on a house on fire, and then all of a sudden it just they come crashing back down to earth. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I think some even though like you know Washington is clearly a good team. You know they're hanging. They were hanging with the Stanley Cup defending Stanley Cup champs, uh, even though they lost that game. But I think it was, it was an OT game. So yeah, you know, hanging yeah. with them. Uh, Dallas, I think, ultimately doesn't make the playoffs. But at the same time, I think, like you said, they're a vet vet team that when if you're early in the season, if you play them and you make a lot of mistakes, they can definitely uh, they can definitely beat you just or help you beat yourself, I should say. And then yeah, Montreal, even though yes, they lost a lot of personnel. They're a team that at least, you know, even though they lost a lot of good players, they were just playing, uh, they, uh, you know, good hockey and they made the cup final. So you have guys that at least know how to, how to defend and how to play off the rush and how to play off the puck. So yeah, they still know what to do. And the Rangers, again, are still trying to figure that out. But if this is how they look like when they're trying to figure it out, I think it bodes well for when they are feeling they're in a groove and they're comfortable because there are going to be growing pains along the way. I feel like you look at Keandre Miller so far this season, he's been up and he's been down. He's been had brilliant moments and he's had real head scratcher, like ugly to look at moments. And Nils has looked uncomfortable at times, but also you see the pure puck moving and he's still very raw. So yeah, I mean, this team is still a work in progress, even though we want to pretend that they're close to the finish line because of some of the moves they made. But I think it's it's still it's still a feeling out process for all all parties involved, and I just think as they the more get, they get into the rhythm of a regular season of flying and road trips with the guys, and I think that's the good thing about this season is that now that you can go out to dinner and bond with your teammates and really develop a fondness for the guys in the room and a closeness and just be kind of in the foxhole with them, especially on these road trips, uh, it's good, you know, instead of just you play a game you go to practice, then you go home and you self-isolate and you can't be near your family or your friends. So I think, I think this will be good for this young team to take steps forward. So, uh, yeah, I hope again, Montreal's got a lot, excuse me, Toronto's got a lot of offensive, uh, flash, panache and firepower between Matthews and Marner and, uh, Tavares and William Nylander. So yeah, they're going to have to, they're going to have to try to grind, grind this W out. Cause that's, I think that's the one, the way to get on, on that team is to just, legit just go get after them in the corner and grind them down so uh we'll see if they're up to the task yeah and you know just the difference from this year to last year and you know kind of looking at um you know quinn and his approach to every game i felt like quinn built the system and he just hammered that system every game right there was you never seen the rangers adapt to their opponent and it was really frustrating last year because I felt like that was attributable to some of the losses that they had, right? And, you know, certain teams like to stretch the puck. Certain teams, you know, you know, like to outnumber the puck in the offensive zone and, and, and really give a numbers advantage along the boards. And then, you know, other teams are a little bit more finesse. And, you know, I just felt like the Rangers really never adapted at all. And, you know, looking at the first three games, with the first game kind of being a wash because, you know, they just fell down too quickly and it just, it emotionally, they never were able to get back to where they were in that first period. But the first two games, you kind of saw adjustments being made 
in between periods. And you saw the Rangers go from, you know, maybe being a little bit more aggressive to, okay, now we're just going to clog the middle here. We don't need to commit too much on the boards. Uh, you know, our, our defensemen, you know, are, both of them are peeling back a little bit more rotation, uh, you know, with F1, you know, F2 and F3. Um, and, you know, I even saw a mistake last night against Montreal. I think it was Truba goes in and I, I'm kind of laughing because I'm like, there's no doubt in my mind that Gallant has told the D to kind of stay back a little bit. But he had a golden opportunity to kind of be that F1. And he turns and immediately skates the other way from a 50-50 puck where he should have been the first person on there and, you know, had a forward cover for him. It's just little things like that that, you know, you could see that he was listening to Gallant in the back of his head like, well, well, I'm a little too committed here. I'm going to get back right away. Like, I need to get back now. I need to get back now. And then, you know, they essentially give up a a 50-50 puck and concede. And, you know, Montreal goes down the other way. And I'm like, no, listen, systems are good and all. But there's got to be some hockey sense, right? If you're a guy and you see a 50-50 puck, even if you're a defenseman, you've got to trust that your forwards are going to be able to cover for you. And, you know, Truba needed to jump on that puck. It's just little things like that that I could see, um, you know, there are adjustments being made in between periods, whether the Rangers are down, whether they have a lead. So that's all good things, um, which makes me even more curious, like I said before, about how they approach uh, a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm wondering if, I know they need to be physical, but are they going to be as physical as they've been? Because, Andy, I I really do feel like we're falling a little bit into um, uh, a trap here, giving giving the other teams too many power plays. Yeah, and I think it's a big thing. I spoke about the fact that the team is already getting a little banged up by engaging in in necessary you know, unnecessary. You don't want to hit for the sake of hit. You want to hit to be heavy on the forecheck and heavy on the puck. But if, if you kind of sense the puck is going to score it out and you're just hitting because I have a chance to blow a guy up, that's not a good enough reason. Cause we saw, uh, at the home opener, we saw Goudreau take himself out of a play just by wanting to throw a big hit. And then the, the, the rest of the, this, uh, the doubt stars go on a three on two because he throws a hit on a guy and he still is able to get the puck up to his forwards in time. And now he takes himself out of the play for a potential back check. So that's the type of stuff we're talking about here. And yeah, they clearly they've got some penalty trouble. They have guys that are, we know already Sammy Blay for as, uh, you know, as nice as it's to see as heavy, you know, have as many hits as he throws and how well he forechecks. He takes a lot of penalties too, because you play on the edge, you're going to take penalties. And this, group is not good enough of a collective penalty killing unit to to do that you know maybe they get to a point where they're comfortable in their pk and that they're like it's fine you play how you have to play but they're gonna have to clean it up a bit you know so again that might also it's i think you hope with that as they get more comfortable with you know Gallant system it might be very simple but his i feel like his habits are or what he's trying to instill is maybe not counterintuitive, but it's just unco- to do it all constantly is is a little is a learning curve. So you hope that as the team gets more comfortable doing it, they get you know their self discipline is also raised as well. Yeah, and you know what else? I mean, I, listen, there, there's a lot to talk about with the New York Rangers. I just think with personnel, 
Um, they have the personnel to to be that competitive team, to make adjustments and and be able to play different styles. Um, you know, the one thing I do kind of worry about, Andy, over the first three games, and I don't want to get over emotional with this, but um, I can't help it being a New York Rangers fan, is another slow start to kind of our power play, right? Mika Zibanejad, I feel like, is not getting clear shots to the uh, clear shots to the net. Artemi Panarin might be overpassing. Um, Chris Kreider is getting lucky with, you know, just getting weird bounces so he gets credit for these goals. It's just there's a lot going on with our power play and special teams. What do you make of our special teams so far and, you know, the production of our so-called all-stars? Well, you know, they said that they didn't, Gallant said they hadn't really practiced it much during the preseason. Instead, they were just trying to get a feel for things. And I guess it's not his style where I think other teams would practice it to death, where he was more interested on the flow of play five on five. So yeah, the areas where they've done their homework has really showed. I thought versus Montreal, it was much better. But again, there's some teams that are a little bit more lax and let you move the sling the puck around more. And those first two games, they were, yeah, they were too, they were definitely overpassing the puck and looking for the pretty play like they've done in the past. But I think they're already starting to see that if you look at the goals this team has scored this year, it's been going to the net. It hasn't been pretty blast off passing plays. It's been Kreider in front of the net twice with tips. It's been Fox or, uh, excuse me, it's been Keandre just throwing a puck on net. It's been Fox just whipping a puck on net. It's been uh, a backdoor tap in uh, when you just bring the puck to the net by Lafreniere and Zabadajad. So yeah, I think they're starting to see, okay, that's where in this system, you know, we could play perimeter pond hockey all we want. And that's, you know, there's a time and place for that. But if we're going to have success, it has to be an attack mentality. So it looked like they saw that more in the Montreal game. And yeah, I think as time goes on, we'll see that. And right now, you know, like I said, Chris Kreider has been, you know, maybe five on five. It's been a mixed bag, but he is leading this team in goals. He's doing what you want him to be doing because, you know, that's where he's good is in front of the net. Uh, Jad, at least defensively has been pretty good. He's not scoring goals, but he's made some good passes. The one guy, surprisingly, who has not looked good so far is Artemi Panarin. He has pretty much been look kind of, I don't want to say lost, but he just kind of looks like he's not in the flow of the game. He looks a step slower, which is very strange. I just, but again, I, you know, you, I have seen him trying to pressure the puck more and get in more and play a little bit less floaty or, you know, so he might be trying to adopt his game to it too. Cause if we remember, he didn't look all that great uh, two seasons ago in the, in the bubble versus the hurricanes either. So maybe he realizes for him to, to play a winning brand of hockey, he might have to make adjustments that maybe hurt him in the regular season, but ultimately make him a better postseason performer. But I don't know. He just, right now he doesn't look like himself, but, you know, he's Artemi Panarin. He's too smart of a player and too good of a player to not eventually like get get back to speed. And he's been legit solid for two years and a half, even missing time because of all the shenanigans last year. So it, it would be real disingenuous of me to just write him off and be like, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. because I do think he's earned it. But obviously you would hope to see him, you know, start to pick it up here because they're going to need him. They're going to need his all of his talent sooner rather than later, especially now that they're they're down a few forwards and, and uh, Strom and Kako. So you know, 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, well, I definitely agree with you with, you know, Panarin, but Ryan Strom also didn't play last game. He's got a new right winger in Capococco. You know, I, I do think that there's going to be some adjustments, adjustments made to the top six. Uh, you know, now with, you know, Kako and Strom both being out, it's going to be a little wonky. But overall, in my opinion, Andy, I think you've mentioned this, but Chris Kreider doesn't belong on the first line. Um, you know, even, but I do think he's going to end up staying there. I really do think if you put Lafreniere on the second line and even bump Kako up and let Chris Kreider play the left, Kako go up and play, um, you know, right wing on the first line, and then Lafreniere drop to the second line. I just think it'll work out a little bit better. Uh, I honestly probably wouldn't mind Heedle as of now sliding down to the third, uh, like a third. Well, it'd be Strom, but for the time being, you know, I wouldn't mind Barclay Goudreau centering, you know, Panarin and Lafreniere just to see how that goes. Um, And and then, you know, I I don't know what they're going to do with the top line, but uh, they'll probably keep it because of the injuries. But, you know, overall, I really do want to see something like Panarin, Strom, Lafreniere, and then Kako, uh, Zibanejad, and, uh, and Chris Kreider, just to, just to see how things kind of look. Um, I don't know how you feel about that top six when everyone's healthy. No, I, I you know, I was been thinking for a few days now that I, it does seem like Lafreniere, even playing on his, his uh, offside on the right wing, might mesh a little bit better with it does I, I did like him and Mika's looks a lot more in that Montreal game so it might be I, I mean I agree with that yeah but obviously that he looked real they looked real out of place the first two games and you just know Lafreniere's passing ability and his vision probably lends himself more to playing with a, a puck dominant player like Panarin than Kako who's a guy who wants to dominate the puck himself would with those other two you know so uh yeah I think it's definitely worth experimenting with uh, I guess we'll you know, with Kako out right now. I don't know if that's going to happen, especially if he's happy. Gallant's yeah. happy with how Lafreniere and, and Zibanejad played. So who knows? But if it does, if it as time goes and doesn't continue to work, that's something I think they should definitely look into because I think on paper it seems like they might be just better suited. You know, off off wing be damned. You know, and Lafreniere's still trying to find his way in this league, so that might be part of it. Maybe they're just trying to say like, even though that might suit him better, it's like they want him to remain comfortable on his natural wing. So who knows? You know, at a certain point, injuries might play a factor into deciding who's different uh, combinations and who slots the where. But uh, I guess we'll see. But yeah, I just I suspect after the last game, at least for the time being, they're like, all right, we're finally starting to see something happen with Lafreniere and Zabanajad. So maybe they can build on that and keep going from there. Yeah, um, I, I we've kind of avoided this part of the conversation, part of the podcast, but I think we got to do it. Uh, it's exhausting to even have this conversation. But obviously, I think everyone knows the controversy surrounding Kraftsoff. I honestly didn't have the energy to really look into this. I kind of really only know the broader overall story. So if there are details, rumors, everything like that, I don't really know. But I'll give you my perspective on it, Andy. Go ahead. Um, You know, Kraftsoff looked like he was going to be on this team, right? Then it looked like he was kind of sent to Hartford, and now he's just completely gone. The Rangers basically told his agent that he's free to kind of shop and look for other teams. And now there's a rumored to be five teams very interested with him. He is back in Russia. 
I mean, this is just unbelievable. I thought we were done with this, but this is this Kraftstoff? Is this the organization? Like, what the hell happened here, Andy? Okay, so I'm about to babble a bit, so bear with me. No, please. This is my best understanding and most comprehensive, as I can piece together, understanding of the situation. Let's rewind. Vitaly Kraftsoff, last season, or yeah, and even the season before, there is controversy with him not making the team out of camp. He kind of sulks, goes down to the AHL, doesn't perform well, eventually goes back to the KHL. Uh, John Davidson goes over and it takes time to mend that relationship. He feels like he was sold a false bill of goods or at least a false hope of making promise of making the team coming from the KHL. The team didn't think he was ready. Uh, whatever. Doesn't work out. So that, and that's two seasons ago. Uh, but he goes to the, you know, and he, and he has, a, he ends his season kind of rough, but it's decided he's going to play in the KHL to start next season. He has a good season again in the KHL. He comes over to the Rangers for a, uh, promising stint. He doesn't, you know, doesn't exactly light it up, but he doesn't look out of place. He looks like he's heavy on, he's trying to get on pucks and he's trying to work and he, you know, he doesn't look out of place. So you're like, all right, Rangers fans are like kind of convinced that he is going to factor into their plans next season. Uh, however, unbeknownst to us, apparently there's a report that based on all the dealings and maybe thinking he doesn't have as clear of a path to this organization, their Kraftsoff and his people seem to be under the imp- the impression that he was going to be traded over the summer. And I assume he was involved in ta- trade talks for Eichel or other people as well. You know, you hear about these things. These come back to you with GMs and stuff. It happens. So. I guess he's under the imp- the impression, like between that and this happening, his name getting included in trade talks. Most players understand it's a business. Kraftsoff strike me as as a, maybe a little bit more sensitive to that, or maybe has a chip on his shoulder. I don't know, but he strikes me as that is further uh, for him that becomes further confirmation that they don't want me or they don't think I'm good enough to make their lineup, and I'm not going to get a, ch- a chance to play there. But whatever, he comes into training camp. They don't include him in prospect camp which I think he they they want him to play at the main camp, which I think he seems sees as a further like, all right, I'm going to get a chance like I, or I'm going to make this roster. They, they I'm in their plans, right? He gets hurt during one. He, he looks fine. He scores a goal versus the Islanders, but he gets banged up and he kind of misses the last few things. And then lo and behold, Gerard Gallant, who has been given autonomy by Chris Drury, uh, says like, I'm more comfortable. I like the way Sammy play and. Uh, Dryden Hunt play better. They kind of play more of a bottom six grindy style, and Kraftsov is kind of like a top six guy in a team that doesn't have a top six winger slot available. So they say, uh, like, I'm not going to use him. Uh, Libor Hayek needs would a player like him would require waivers to be sent down to be roster compliant. They don't want to lose him for nothing, and they're like, well, Vitaly Kraftsov will that will definitely have injuries or need a call, so we're going to send him down. And maybe he'll be up sooner than rather than later. Uh, they tell Kraftsov this. And at this point, he's like, fuck this. Like, this is confirming everything I thought I knew. That this team does not see me in their plans. And they want me to go down and do more showing them. And even if they're saying, oh, well, you'll have your chance to come up. He's like, no, I based on our dealings in the past, like, I this is exactly what I thought is going to happen. I'm screw this. I'm not reporting to Hartford. I'm going home. 
uh, you work it out with my agent and find us and trade me. I don't want to play for you guys. So that's pretty much where we're at now. There was a report by Elliot Friedman. You know, Kraftsoff refused to report to Hartford, so he got suspended, which is dumb. He should, if he wants to get traded, he should go to Hartford. He should, and still communicate that to his agent, so it doesn't hurt his his spot because that just hurt tanks his own value and makes it harder for him to get traded. Uh, apparently, now, lo and behold, the Rangers do have <laughs> a right side injury. Like you could, you could see Kraftsoff slotting in right in that spot where Kako is out now, right? But he's not here. And, you know, Gallant said, well, it's not my deal. It's Chris. You'll talk to Chris about that. I deal with the players who are here or whatever. So now Kravtsov has returned to Russia. And uh, apparently there's a report that he was invited to rejoin the Rangers. So I guess maybe it's damage control by Chris Drury uh, or now that they need a body or just just to help save the value. But there, you know, there's a lot of reports it's like, well, at the end of the day, they're looking the Rangers are looking for at least a you know, a second or higher and, and they're, they're willing to hold weight as long as they need to or whatever. So that's basically bring us up to speed on this issue. Where does the blame lie is the, is the question now, unfortunately it's not a black or white situation. I think it lies with both. I think at multiple times we saw Philip Heedle get sent down before prior to early last season, right? Or was that two seasons ago? I forget. Two seasons ago. But yeah, he gets sent to Hartford, even though they had him penciled in for a spot and they didn't like his camp. They sent him down. He didn't sulk about it. He literally came up. He went down to Hartford. He took care of business. He came up and he never looked back, right? Took his assignment, did what he had to do with it. Uh, I think Kraftstoff has a little bit more of an ego in terms of or belief in his own skills. And he thinks he is... Yeah, he's good enough to be on this team, and maybe he is. But they, they, you know, they've said weird things about his conditioning because he was hurt, and they there was a rumor they didn't like his conditioning, and they had a contentious exit interview with his training and how he trains, or he doesn't do enough of this or that. That was a report that came out from Molly Walker of uh, Newsday. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's happened behind the scenes that I don't think Ranger fans are privy to or don't realize just how contentious this relationship has been at times. A lot of that falls, I think, on Kraftsoft, but a lot of that falls on this organization, too. They clearly fired Nick Bobra for a reason. I think there was, between the Leas Anderson fiasco and this, I think there's a lot of promising things to European players to get them to come over that they're not ready. Instead of just saying, like, which they probably did to Nils, is like, listen, like, there's not, even though you're coming over and you think you might have leverage, it's like, this is, you know, we're going with the roster. We think it gives us the best chance to win. And if you don't make that, you have to convince us. You know what I mean? So, uh, so that's where we're at now. So I think Kraftsoff is kind of being a little bit of a prima donna in this whole situation, but at the same time, it's like the Ranger has kind of mishandled everything up to this point. So can you kind of blame the guy? Right. So I think it's that both sides are, have their own areas where they're deserving of blame. It's just unfortunate because obviously the team loses out in the end and not having a player with his talent, you know, and yeah, he kind of hurts himself, but also, yeah, listen, I, the Rangers have not. This is a, a recurring problem for them. And yes, maybe it's the same person, but it's kind of symptomatic, like right. And yeah, uh, it doesn't send a good message because now here's the thing: if you now just cave to Kravtsov, what message does that send to their other European prospects, or a Nils Lungfist, or guys, or a Philip Heedle who did have to go down and earn it? Like, you know, it sets us a bad precedent. So I don't like, like, again, so now you can't fucking like almost cave to his demands. You can say, listen, I mean, I hope they can work it out. I don't think so. I think it's untenable at this point. I don't think it's 
or unmendable. So, which sucks because I really do believe in Kravtsov's skill set. You know, I don't think he's as far along as he thinks he is, but I also think that he was good enough to make this team and should have been in their plans. And the fact well, that's, that they, that's, the that's thing. the, that's what stings me the most is that I think he should have been made. And, but even if, if it was one of those things where it was like, you know, I don't know, like I would have fucking lost Leroy Hayek on waivers. Who gives a shit? Just put it, let him get picked. And you know, they didn't pick him in Seattle didn't pick him in the expansion draft. So I don't, I doubt very much that they you were going to be able to a, get a lot for Libra Hayek or B losing for anything. So if that was the case, then they should have just kept them up to say, even if they're like, yeah, you're, we're going with just the vet because there's a heavy team and then we're putting you in the next night, but you're with the team and it's just a lineup decision, you know? So, but again, I don't, it's kind of hard to know if he's already been kind of thinking like, I'm going to get traded at some point anyway, but at least I'll be playing in the NHL and then I'll get traded. So that kind of seems to, I feel like where it seems like he thought he was at. But then they're like, are you going back down to the AHL? And he's like, nope, fuck this. Like, this has happened to me before. I'm not doing this again. I'm, I'm done with this. So that's where we're at. It really sucks. Uh, I think I don't like how Kraftsoft's handling it. I don't think I definitely don't think he's blameless in this. But at the same time, uh, clearly the Rangers have fucking bung, bungled this again. And, you know, and it, if it's about being a stick in the mud and not... I, you, it's hard to tell if it was the demands on his side were to, you know, or, or put Chris Drury in a bad spot. Cause like Gallant's like, I don't want to use him, And then he's like, I gotta, I'm just gotta listen to Turk or whatever. Like, it's tough to say, but they mishandle it. You know, that's all I can really say. And it, again, it sucks. The team loses out in the end. Cause I do think Kraftstoff has talent and could be a very good productive player, but, uh, yeah, it just, it just, the whole thing fucking sucks. I hate it. And it, the whole thing just doesn't make any sense. It's like, I can understand if he had a shit camp, if he had a shit preseason. He did, he did well enough to make the team, in my opinion. It's not like we were loaded on the right-hand right side. I mean, if you look at our fourth line right now, Kevin Rooney, Dryden Hunt, and Ryan Reeves. And then, really, you kind of had him penciled for the third line, which is Barclay Goudreau, Sammy Blay. And right now, if you go on... Let's see, uh, daily face-off. They have uh, the GOAT sitting there on the third-line spot. So I really don't get it. I thought I thought Kraftsoff did just as well as Julian Gauthier. I, I, I'm just, like, baffled, Andy. I really am baffled that the Rangers ended up in this situation again. You have to know that given the preseason, given the camp, that he would have a reaction like this if you sent them down to the Hartford. Granted, even if you told him, listen, we're sending you down. We're going to bring you right back up after this game. You're going to be playing against Dallas. Excuse me. I, it's just, can we stop with these fucking games? Like, the Rangers, for their lineup for the first two games, shouldn't have to involve sending a guy to Hartford so another guy could stay with us so he can clear waivers. Like, all this shit is insane. and. You're not talking about, you know, guys that are everyday players. It's Lieber freaking Hayek. He's not going to be a future New York Ranger. There's nowhere in the world he fits into this lineup. Just let him go. You're not going to get anything for him anyway if you traded for him. Like, honestly, like, just let it go. We have so many guys in the system right now back on the, uh, on the defensive side of the puck. Can you just figure this out? It's extremely frustrating. And, and, and now it's like the frustrating part is like, yeah, you're right. You can't go back. You can't say, hey, why, why don't you want to join us? Because what does that tell everybody else? That 
you know, you just kind of the squeaky wheel gets uh, all the grease. It's ridiculous. And, you know, it, it just the whole thing should have never happened. It should, we should have never gotten to this point. Kravtsov was good enough to make this team. He should have been playing right off the bat. And I, I, I mean, I don't know what else the kid needs to do to earn his spot. Like, he, it's not like he's going to come in and dominate. We all knew that. And you saw what happened last year. You know what? Chalk that up to a lack of communication. We got, you know, a new office. We got a new head coach. You know, we're going to start, start, you know, this season off on the right track, especially with all the youth that we have in our organization. No, they do the same exact fucking thing. And it's just insane. It's absolutely insane to me that the New York Rangers can't figure this out. Like, and, and they do it for Lieber Hayek. Like, what are you doing, guys? So, Andy, I, I mean, I wanted to kind of end with this discussion, but it's just so exhausting. And, you know, what, what's next? Can you, can you tell me what happens next now? Yeah, I mean, I don't, like I said, the team is, is told, asked him to come back. I don't think he's going to come back. Much like Jack Eichel, it might be a situation where he, to have trade value, he has to come back and play, which I don't know. I don't think so. I think there, it's been reported there's plenty of teams interested because he's talented. You know what I mean? Uh, the Rangers, I think it seems that uh, the Leas Anderson, as much situation, as much as that sucked, they were able to get Will Cooley out of that. It remains to be seen how good of a player Will Cooley can be, but they seem pretty happy with it. They almost seem like they... Sometimes the way it gets talked about is like it was a win by taking a kid who was a melon or they, a lemon who they thought and didn't pan out. But I think Leas Anderson is, is proven to be a pretty okay bottom sixer for the Kings, right? So, you know, it wasn't really his, he was, he was, it wasn't his fault he was selected there, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, and it's, I don't know. I mean, I assume, I don't, again, I don't think, unless, unless Kravtsov says, you know what, I will, because again, that's got to be so awkward after you go through all this and say this, and they're like, "Hey, can you come back?" And then after, like, they know that he was just said, "I didn't make this team," and I pouted and left. So now you got to come back and face the team. But who knows? Maybe Panarin talks to him, says, "Like, dude, come back. Like, we have a spot for you. Just prove them wrong. Like, what's if you you're maybe you go, but you know." But I don't know, man. I I assume he's going to get traded. I I just think it's untenable. I think it it sounds to me like he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and whether it's earned or not. Um, he might be a little too big for his britches, but whatever. I think he's just like, nope, I have my own value. And if there's teams that are interested in me, and that's the other thing, it's like, maybe he sees himself as a top six right winger or just a top six winger in between Lafreniere, Kako, Kreider, and, uh, you know, Panarin, maybe he says there isn't a spot for me on this team. They might want me to be a third liner forever. And maybe it's like, I don't want to get in that race. I want to go to a place I can play, you know, like the other young, talented players. So. Who knows? It sucks. It's it. Uh, there's there's a lot of blame to go get thrown around for different errors for different parties, and it just sucks. So who knows? I mean, we'll we'll keep tabs on it on this podcast. But uh, yeah, at last, it's been reported the Rangers have asked him if he wants to come back, and we'll we'll go from there. But yeah, it unfortunately it's a kind of a, a dampering way to end this <laughs> this podcast. But uh, you know, the season doesn't stop for the New York Rangers just because of this. So on, I guess onward and upward. Yeah. And, you know, uh, overall, you just kind of have to mentally move on. And, you know, you got a game against Toronto. You got to get two points there and kind of, you know, get over the 500 hump. Uh, two, one, and one is not a bad way to start off the season against some tougher opponents. 
And, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, we knew this was going to happen. We knew there was going to be a roller coaster type feel to this season because that's just where we are right now. Um, we have expectations, um, but we have a lot of new faces. We have a new system. It's just, it's, it's chaos right now. And we all need to just calm down, all of us fans, the roster, the coaching staff, you know, the management, just take a deep breath, assess what we have, and, you know, just take it one game at a time. Because ultimately, it's just about winning games and accumulating points and trying to make it to the postseason. The drama of Kraftsoff, you know, I, I think he could be a good NHL player, but is it really worth the drama at this point? I mean, he's already stained with this, you know, kind of uh, spoiled attitude uh, within the fan base. Um, I, I think, you know, management might have to just be like, you know what? We mishandled it. We want to put him in a spot where he could succeed. Be done with it. Take the blame for it. This way, you know, everyone can just kind of move on from it. Uh, I don't really want him to be part of this team at this point just because of the overall dynamic i feel like we had so much shit happen last season we don't need more shit this season it's a distraction you know we got to find our game we got a game against toronto and we got to get two points and i think the rangers just need to be concentrating on that rather than being a babysitter for some of these players and or trying to juggle you know creating a lineup where we don't have to send people down to hartford uh, because we have to worry about stupid, mediocre players that will never play a game this season, you know, not clearing waivers. So that's my two cents on the last uh, last topic here about Kraftsoft. Uh I'm exhausted, Andy. W- what else do you got? I mean, that's it. We'll wrap this one up. I just want to say I would urge fans to keep an eye on the Hartford Wolf Pack this season. Uh, they're current. They won their game today in a shootout, so they are uh, 2-1-0 on the season. Uh, they have a pretty good tandem now with Keith Kincaid down there and Adam Huska. Uh, Zach Jones has been up to some good work down there. Morgan Barron has been good, and lo and behold, is the first call up. So I think that'll be it. It'll be a fun season to watch the pack. I think they should be a pretty competitive and good team this year. They have some good solid talent down there. Uh, and yeah, I think again, I think because of the nature of this organization now being so much more focused on the bottom six, and I think just the style they play, I think you might see a little bit more fan cast or I guess, you know, from the front office, like guys getting chances to slot in down there to see what they got. If depending on how good the season they have in Hartford, but you know, Morgan Barron's the next man up and, uh, we'll see how he performs. Cause you know, they, they, he was almost penciled in out of camp by the pundits and the writers. And even I think maybe potentially the Rangers themselves, but again, he kind of didn't have the, didn't really blow anyone's socks off in his camp. So he, he goes down, but he's looked great and, and over a little, you know, I think he's looked, I wouldn't say too good for the AHL, but he's looked like comfortably good for the AHL. So he's coming up and we'll see what he's got. But, uh, yeah, like I said, even it's been such a roller coaster and this is just the first week and I'm already like, Oh my God. But there's a part of me that just smiles because I love it because you know, the New York Rangers are back and hockey's back. And unlike last season, it just could, in a weird way, the chaos kind of feels more just like, uh, pre pandemic hockey. So for that, I am very thankful and, uh, yeah, I'm even preemptively thankful for the headaches I'm going to have next week. So yeah, we'll see. I'll just make sure I have my Advil ready. 
Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.